Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Renting has gotten a bad rap. You might have heard this idea of throwing away your money if you're renting. I get it. But today's guest, Jonas Bordo, CEO and co-founder of Dwellsy, has a really different idea about renting. Renting is a great option for most people at at one or more points in their lives. And we should embrace that as a great choice and celebrate somebody's new home, whether it's rented or owned. You're listening to Millennial Money with award-winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Compton-Game where we flip the script on the old school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week, Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, and what makes millennials tick. Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives, tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story and unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna. Money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger aficionado. Welcome. I am so, so glad to have you here. I am really excited to bring this episode to you because it's a different way to think about money. I think we're going to talk about making smart money moves. We need to really think about everything and not just what social media or the news tells us to do. This idea of 
renting versus owning a home is a conversation you hear a lot. And somehow, if you don't own a home, you're not, quote unquote, making smart financial decisions or, quote unquote, not making it. And that is just not true. Not everything is right for everyone all of the time. I've been both a homeowner and a renter, and they both have their pros and cons. As I mentioned, Jonas is the CEO and co-founder of Dwellsy, which is a free residential rental marketplace that makes it easy to find, hard to find, rentals. He's been in the real estate business in one way or another throughout his career and really believes that you can both rent and achieve financial freedom. So in this episode, he's sharing why renting might just be your path to financial freedom, how to negotiate like a pro, how to know when you should rent or buy, and so much more. So excited to share this conversation with you. I'm Shauna Compton-Game, and this is Millennial Money. Jonas, it is so great to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. It's great to be here, Shauna. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm really excited about our conversation today. It's not a typical conversation, which I think makes it even more exciting. We're talking about this idea that renting is not necessarily bad for you. And we hear the flip all the time that if you rent, you're throwing away money and it's just not a smart money move. But you say that renting could actually be a tool to help us achieve financial freedom. So you got to tell us about this. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, it's one of one of my great frustrations working with uh, you know renters and homeowners across the country is that there is this uh, almost monolithic view that homeownership is always better. Uh, and that's simply not the case. Uh, renting is a great option for a lot of people at a lot of points in their life. And certainly, you know, virtually all of us go through a phase where renting is is really the only option for us. Yes. Um, but, but, you know, for many of us, it's also the right option in a variety of different situations. And it can be a superpower to help you uh, actually get on a firm financial footing. And I think so much of our culture is focused on home ownership and we've lost track of the fact that it's a huge financial investment and it's not right for everybody at every point in their lives. Yeah, for sure. And I'm thinking about, I mean, obviously we we are in a unique time now. Uh, I, I just watched a story. I can't remember what it was on. I think CBS Morning News talking about how there's kind of this mass exodus to places like Boise, Idaho. And it's so expensive to buy into a home there now. Even people that live there that are trying to sell their home and get back into a home can't get back into a home because it's so mm-hmm. expensive. And so I think about a lot of these these cities and, and places that we live where renting is is the only option. I mean, that that's the only way you can actually afford to live. Yep. Yep. No, that's uh, that's the case for um, for so many of us. Uh, you know, and, and again, it's it, everybody's at different points in their lives and has different needs. And, you know, one of the core characteristics of, of renting that makes it great for a lot of people is it's just cheaper. Uh, <laughs> it's always uh, cheaper in, in almost every market in the country, not in every place in the country, but, you know, on average, renting is about 40% cheaper than owning a home. Wow. Uh, and, you know, that can vary really widely. There are markets, you know, expensive coastal markets like New York or San Francisco, where uh, owning a home can be, you know, t- two or three times as expensive as renting one. Um, 
And there are, you know, other markets across the country, small towns in particular, where the the cost can be fairly equal. But I was actually uh, just before this uh, reading a, a new report that came out that looked at 50 markets across the country, and in every single one, renting was cheaper than owning. Uh, and, you know, and and that's just factoring in predictability, right? The predictable expenses. When you start to factor in the unpredictable expenses, you know, you move into a place and the water backs up on you, and now you've got a nightmare. Um, you know, that kind of thing happens constantly for homeowners. If you're a renter, well, it's a call to your landlord and, you know, your landlord now has to deal with that issue. Uh, <laughs> it's not your cost. It's theirs. It might be an inconvenience for you and the landlord might not handle it quite as quickly as you might think you would if you owned the place, but uh, it's not your problem and it's not your expense. And that's a huge advantage for the renter. So how do we begin to shift this mindset then around renting and and change the sort of societal norm, if you will, that's kind of built into us that, that renting is bad? How do we switch that in our heads if, if we are renting or if renting is our only option? Uh, Shana, such a great question. Uh, you know, I, I think we have to start with this uh, recognition that uh, owning a home is a, is a wonderful thing, but it's a consumption decision. It's not an investment decision. And we happen to have uh, had a few things happen over the generations. You know, in particular, uh, the baby boomers saw what is probably a you know once in a century increase in home prices, where it it did create a lot of wealth for a lot of people. And I just don't know that that is going to be repeated. Uh, for anybody under 40 or under 50 these days. I don't think we'll see that again. Um, you might get some uh, appreciation in your home if you're lucky, but you know, fundamentally, it's a consumption decision. It's like buying a pair of shoes or a car. Uh, it's, a, it's a decision that you know, might improve your life, a decision that you know, might be right for, for you and your family at, at a particular point in time, but it is fundamentally a choice to spend money on something that you don't need. Uh, and I think if we use that as a starting point, um, that gets us off to a, a good place. And then beyond that, I think we have to recognize that um, we are not, you know, we are not all the same. We all have different needs at different points, and there are some uh, specific points at which renting is really powerful. And you know, perhaps I should go through a couple of yeah, those points. Um, you know, so I, I think there are some that that get to you know transitions. Uh, in people's lives, you know, for example, you're graduating from college. Um, you know, the right option for most people at that point is not to buy a home. There's so much unpredictability in your life; you don't know where it's going to go. Um, and you know, similarly, if you're moving to a new city, you don't know anything about that city. You don't know where you want to live. You don't know how what shape your life is going to have when you get there. And so, in situations like that, uh, it's great to rent to get to know a place when you first arrive. Um, Similarly, from a financial standpoint, if you look at your financial picture, you really have to answer a few questions there before you decide if, if owning or renting is right for you. You know, one, do you have plenty of surplus income? If you do, then, you know, owning might be the right option for you. And, you know, some folks are fortunate to be in that situation. Lots of folks are not. Um, but fundamentally, you need to be prepared to pay more each and every month. And then you need to be prepared for unpredictable expenses. Um, the next thing I'd, I'd mention is, you know, do you have extra time? Because managing a home, it's a huge <laughs> asset that requires maintenance. And some people love that. Some people love, you know, mowing the lawn and cleaning out the gutters and doing all that kind of stuff. But for a lot of people, it's, it's labor that just has to be done. 
And if you don't do it, you're, you know, one of your biggest assets, potentially your biggest asset is going to go down in value and you're, you need to take care of it. And that takes a lot of time. And if you're renting, that's all somebody else's problem. That's all the landlord's problem. Uh, and the last thing I'd mention is, do you know that you need to be in the same place for the foreseeable future? You know, right. some of us are deeply rooted in our communities. You know, your parents live around the block, you're, um, connected to high school friends and, and other family close by, and you know, you're never going to leave that town. Um, that's great for you. Then, you know, that makes rent, that makes owning a better uh, option for you. Uh, but for many of us, you know, myself for most of my life, you know, I've moved around to a bunch of different cities and, you know, you, you don't know uh, whether you're going to be in a place forever. And if you fit into that bucket of not knowing if you're going to be in, in a place, usually for, you know, you need to be, know you're going to be there for at least seven to 10 years in order to make owning a good financial choice. Uh, if you're going to be there shorter than that, then you should really rent. Yeah, I think it's it's such great advice. I bought a home when before I probably should have bought a home. I live in Los Angeles, so everything's expensive, but I was I was 24 and really had no business buying a home, but somehow we got a home. <laughs> and so many big expenses piled up. We had to replace all the plumbing like a month after we moved in. That was like $25,000. And I mean, you just name it, like, you know, everything that could happen, happened. And I ended up getting divorced and obviously I let go of the house and I made a conscious decision to rent for Mm -hmm. a good period of time because I really wanted the flexibility to feel like I could go wherever I wanted to. And I didn't really have that freedom when I owned the home. Maybe it wasn't important to me at the time, but but I really made a conscious decision that this time of my life, I want the flexibility that if I want to leave, I can leave. And so I think there's just a lot of maybe grace we have to give ourselves as renters that, yes, you're paying money, but you would be paying money even if you bought a house. I understand that you're you're getting right. equity, but you know, it just feels like the whole like diagram of it all is almost reverse thinking. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree, Shadi. You know, it's so funny. Even for me, I'm a, you know, I consider myself a renting advocate and I'm, you know, constantly out there preaching the gospel of renting being right for so many people. And even for me, I had to stop the instinct to say congratulations when you told me you'd bought a home. It's so <laughs> right? deeply rooted in our culture, you know. Um, but the experience that you outline there is, is very uh, typical for a lot of people. Like life is unpredictable. And, you know, being in a position to be able to, um, handle that unpredictability um, is hugely important for us. And you can really get yourself in a financial pickle uh, if you're if if you're not prepared for that unpredictability. Um, you know, I don't know what all those expenses you mentioned tallied up to, but I'm guessing it was a huge burden for you at that time. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> in a word, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and especially, you know, you you've just put a down payment on a house, you're probably a little cash poor. Uh, at that point. And, uh, you know, those, those expenses are, again, they're just not welcome. Yes. Um, it, you know, another thing you said, China, that I wanted to, to mention is we have this perception of, um, you know, this, this home as, uh, this asset that you've birch that you've purchased that's appreciating. And if you look historically, uh, you know, homes as an asset class have appreciated at about three to three and a half percent. Um, versus stocks, which have appreciated at six to ten percent. Um, mm. So, if you really want to save money, p- 
put money into the stock market or into another investment class as opposed to homes. Uh, you're going to make more money over the longer term. You know, if, if it would cost you $1,000 a month to rent a house and $2,000 a month to own a house, putting that extra $1,000 away um, into another vehicle is probably going to end you up in a much better place in the longer run. Um, from a financial standpoint, you'll just earn more money on it uh, rather than uh, locking it up in your house. The You know, the one value I will say is that by spending that $2,000 a month, um, you're probably spending a little bit more than that because you're going to have some forced savings over and above that if you own your house. And that is going to pay down your principal. So maybe it's $2,500 a month in cash flow, but 500 of that goes to pay off your mortgage. Well, you're still wasting $2,000 versus wasting $1,000 if we're going to you know, clarify, if we're going to call all of our housing costs um, a waste, which I don't think is fair. Um, we all need to live somewhere. We all need a roof over our heads. Um, but that $500 a month is forced savings in that example. Mm, that yeah. uh, And it's valuable for some of us to have that discipline. But there are other paths to setting up forced savings. Uh, that's not the only path that's available to us. In those moments when money is just not moving as fast as your dreams, Earnit provides the financial momentum you need to keep moving forward. Earnit is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnit app and verify your paycheck. Then you access up to $100 a day as you work and you can leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. I honestly would use Earnin in lots of different ways, but what's on my mind recently is I need a night out. I need some good tacos to sip on a few virgin margaritas and celebrate you all helping this podcast earn 26 million downloads. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. Gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin' Money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin' Money under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. 
I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Okay, listen, like many of you out there, I love Notion, our sponsor today. And I honestly use it every day for my notes and journaling. I also track our family expenses and I manage all of our household to-dos. Notion has been such a lifesaver in helping me get a lot more organized because that's not one of my strengths without stressing me out. Notion is a place where any team can write, plan, organize, and rediscover the joy of play. It's a workspace designed not just for making progress, but getting inspired. Notion is the AI-powered workspace that can summarize things like meeting notes and automatically generate action items and help you get answers to questions in seconds. It will honestly blow your mind. Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company, you're a freelancer, you're starting a startup, or you're a student juggling classes and clubs, or you're somebody like myself that just really wants to get organized. Try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash etm. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash etm, and start turning ideas into action. And when you use our link, you are supporting our show, notion.com slash etm. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited, and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince, and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14-karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. Whatever you're saving up for, 
a CD from Sandy Spring Bank lets you grow your savings at a guaranteed rate. Right now, earn interest at 4.5% APY on an 8-month CD special or 4.25% APY on a 14-month CD special. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com slash cdspecials. Minimum opening deposit to earn the annual percentage yield is $500 for the 8-month CD special and $2,500 for the 14-month CD special. Member FDIC. We've got an Ask Shauna, and this one comes from Roberta. And Roberta says, Hi, Shauna. I have been a huge fan of your show for a few years now. I really appreciate it. I always learn something new every episode. And I can't possibly think of how you think of all of these topics, but I'm so glad you do. Thank you so much for curating a really well thought out podcast and inspiring me. You have changed my money situation, my family's money situation, and so many of my friends. So please continue to do what you do, and I will continue to tune in to every episode. I have a question for you, though. You talked in a few episodes, I can't exactly remember when, about the idea of changing the name of your budget, and you talked about why you changed the name of your budget. So I'm curious because I just really hate budgeting and I hate calling my budget my budget. And anytime someone says the word budget, I just feel like I want to curl up in the corner and vomit. So I hope you can appreciate how I feel about budgeting. I know it's really important. I know I need to do it, but I just need a little different mindset about it. So curious if you could share again your story. I'd really appreciate it. Roberta, I am so happy to have you as part of the community. Thank you so much for being a listener. It it really means the world to me. You are the reason that I do what I do. So thank you for being here. Great question. And (laughs) yes, I think myself and probably everybody listening can probably share that feeling of wanting to curl up in the corner and vomit from time to time. Budgeting is not something that we grow up thinking is is a good thing. It's like one of those things that we know we have to do. Like we know we have to go to the dentist for our annual checkup, but I I don't know who actually really enjoys that. I mean, there's probably some dentists listening, so absolutely no offense to you. We need to have our teeth cleaned. But there's something about those annual visits that, oh, I just, I dread. I, I don't want them to find a cavity. I hate the idea of things in my mouth. You get where I'm going. So yes, I understand budgeting is is pretty much in that category as well. And the story I shared was just how I didn't really like the idea of budgeting, even being a certified financial planner, a money expert who went through years of schooling around money. I still just had this mindset around it. I couldn't quite get it right. And so what I decided to do was to change the name of my budget to a travel itinerary because I love to travel. And for me, I work really hard to live a life outside of the pandemic, of course, where traveling is just a part of my life, where it's not a luxury. It's just something I do to live. That's just my own personal philosophy. So I changed it to travel itinerary because for me, if I'm watching my money flows in and flows out then I can figure out ways to carve out money for travel. And I can really think about my purchases from an intentional point of view. Like, is this purchase going to get me closer to that goal or further away? Do I need this? Do I not need this? In five years, am I going to be glad that I bought this thing? 
or am I going to not remember what this was? <laughs> so that's just kind of my thinking behind it. And really what I, I, I want you to take away from me sharing this is that there's a lot of jargon and a lot of names when it comes to money. And money already brings up feelings. It brings up feelings of inadequacy, feelings of of stress, of anxiety, of doubt, of mistakes, of all sorts of things. And I want to get rid of that as much as humanly possible. And so it starts with changing the language, changing the vocabulary. So if budgeting is something you don't enjoy, change the name of it. Change it to something that feels really empowering, really exciting for you. Change it to something that's like, yeah, okay, I want to look in on my expenses every week because it's going to get me closer to X, Y, Z, right? Really connect it. And so if we can make money personal on that level, right? We all have to deal with money. We all have to pay bills. That's just a matter of life. But we can make it personal, like really deeply rooted in the authentic life we want to live. Then it starts changing things in our mindset. And then maybe we're a little bit more apt to think intentionally about our our spending. Maybe we're a little more apt to look at some patterns and some habits and make some changes. So that's just my story. Try it. See what works for you. Change it to whatever feels comfortable. And, you know, give it a little bit of time and see if, if it does start to change your mindset towards dealing with your money, right? I think it's so powerful and I'm so excited to hear how it works for you. I've got so much more to talk about with Jonas, so let's jump back in and hear more about the power of renting. Yeah, so kind of piggybacking on that, like talking about the actual dollar amounts and 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 thinking about money, are there any specific steps if you are a renter, like any money steps maybe you should be thinking about if you are a renter and and just like in the example you gave where somebody might have an extra $1000 versus uh, mm-hmm. buying, you know, buying the house, any like good advice or tips about strategies to maybe grow your wealth while you are a renter? Yeah, uh, uh, absolutely. So, uh, you know, understanding, it, let's say you're in that enviable position of having some extra cash each month coming in. Um, and you know, you've made the decision that renting is, is the right move for you. You don't want to spend it on consumption, uh, by owning a home. Um, in that case, there's a variety of things you can do. You know, what I would recommend is setting up some sort of um, deduction off of your salary um, that happens first, so it never even hits your bank account, where it's diverted into. You know, first of all, if your um, employer has uh, any matching programs or anything, you want to take advantage of that first. Um, if you've already maxed that out, or if that's not available, um, then you know, going in and having an instant uh, early deduction that goes into an investment account with those funds. So you never even see it. It never hits your checking account. It's like it doesn't exist. It's, you know, it feels like forced savings and you just set it up and forget about it. And all of that gets put into the account and it's into an investment account. And it's important to get it set up with automated investing so that it doesn't just sit there in cash so that it actually goes into some sort of investment. Um, you know, broad-based mutual fund or uh, index fund, something along those lines. Um, and, you know, th- with that kind of approach, you are making sure you're putting money away 
uh, every month in a way that would be similar to if you were paying off your um, your mortgage on your home, um, but with a higher return and more flexibility and greater access to that capital should you need it uh, for uh, some purpose down the road, such as you know perhaps making the decision to buy a home when you're in the right place to do that. It definitely makes a lot of sense when you lay it out that way. <laughs> <laughs> it's too bad culture gets in the way of logic. Yeah, I mean, seriously. Uh, and tell me a bit about Dwellsy. I know you're really on this mission to to change how we think about renting. I, I'm curious, mm-hmm. uh, you know, t- tell me a little bit about Dwellsy, and then I've got I've got a, a question I want to follow up about with with trends. Yeah. But first, tell me just a little bit about Dwellsy and kind of your your mission to change this perspective on renting. Yeah, absolutely. So Dwellsy is the marketplace for renters. We are are really trying to create um, an environment that makes it, you know, not just easy, but also enjoyable to find your next rental. Uh, I'm acutely aware that uh, the rental market just doesn't work today. Uh, it's really hard to find a place. There's no obvious places to go. And, you know, prior to Dwellsy, really the best option was to go and walk around your neighborhood or your desired neighborhood and look for street signs, uh, look for yard signs and window signs. Um, because that's where most of the inventory was advertised. It used to be Craigslist had most of the inventory, but uh, you know, unfortunately, fraud and other things uh, did that in. Um, so that's no longer a very good option. And and you know, the the big home search sites are really focused on the for sale world, and all they really have are high end, big apartment communities, um, which is not where most of us want to live. So what we're building at Dwellsy is a completely comprehensive search experience where we have all of the available rentals, and we make it an easy and fun experience uh, to find your next place. Um, and we're already by far, by more than 2x, the, the largest listing service in the country. We've got more more inventory than any other site in the country, and we're uh, growing at a, a really rapid rate. We're only a couple of years into building us, but already made great progress. And we're serving a huge number of renters every month, and we're just really excited to be there and be of service. Uh, to folks as they're at that point where they need to find their next place and uh, really excited to be on their side. Yeah, I have to admit that um, it is now a site that is like permanently bookmarked on my website because we're actually moving later this summer and we're going to rent for a while because again, that's not a bad thing. And uh and and I really like the listings that I found on Dwellsy are like ones that I haven't found other places. And it's just a, I could spend hours and hours looking at houses. That's just one of my passions. But uh, but yeah, it really does make a difference when you can go to a place and really see real listings that aren't Craigslist or you know some other place that, again, aren't those big apartment complexes. I mean, if you want to live in one of those, fantastic. Like, do your thing. I, I prefer a little bit more like renting a house or something that feels, to me, a little bit more homey. But that's just me. But I like that uh, there's a wide variety. I think it's just really refreshing. Uh, it's great to hear you've had a good experience. It's um, you know I think one of the things that gets lost uh, as we think about renting in this country is everybody kind of pictures a big apartment building or a you know big open plan community. Uh, but most American rentals are actually either single family homes or really small buildings. You know, you're kind of Chicago three flat or, um, you know, a two unit building in Milwaukee or something like that. Apparently I'm thinking about the Midwest today, but, <laughs> um, you know, all, all across the country, there's similar variations on that theme, but that's most of the rental inventory. It's only about, you know, 15%, 10% that is that big apartment community. 
um, that are, you know, again, we keep talking about culture today. Our culture kind of, you know, associates renting with that. Uh, but that's actually just a, a, a really slim minority of the inventory that's out there. And one of the things we wanted to do at Dwellsey is, is celebrate um, those beautiful single family homes, those great walk-ups um, that are amazing places to live for so many of us. Um, and I've lived in those fo- those places. I've rented single family homes and walk-ups and lived in big communities as well. And, uh, you know, all of those have their merits, uh, but most of the renters in this country live in either a single family rental or a, um, or a small uh, property. And we wanted to celebrate that. And I imagine that obviously you have access to a lot of data around renting and uh, certain markets in certain areas. Are are you seeing in the rental market like as crazy as a market as there is in the home buying? And and if so, what can we do as renters to be able to? Are, are there any like negotiating tactics or anything that we can do as a renter to try and get into a place that doesn't doesn't bankrupt us? You know, it's such a, it's such a great question, Shana. There's 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 a bunch of different things uh, that I'd highlight. First, this is the strangest rental market I've seen in <laughs> in my life. It, it's really strange what um, what COVID has done to prices is, is so funky. Um, you know, if you used to have to pay a big premium to be close to a major city center or to be close to a um, a transit line, like, you know, right on the subway line or right on the commuter rail line. Um, and those premiums kind of just went away. And we saw, you know, rents in places like San Francisco uh, drop by 40% or more um, during COVID. Those things are starting to pick back up again, but there's still a lot of deals um, if you're willing to accept that. And I know as it's uh, feeling safer for so many out there um, now, it uh, you know, those seem like better deals at this point. Um you mentioned the word negotiate. And what is shocking to me is that renters almost never negotiate. And every rental is negotiable. Um, There is always something the landlord can offer, Um, whether it's a break on the rent or a free parking spot or, um, you know, access to a facility that, um, you know, they might have uh, discounted access to. Um, There is always something. And, you know, one of the things I tell every renter I speak to is you you don't get what you don't ask for. So it can't hurt to ask for a few things and, you know, see what happens. So always negotiate. How do you know? Yeah. How do you know where to start with a negotiation? Like, do you, do you first go after, is it like, if I'm negotiating for my career, like I'm first going after the price point. And if that doesn't work, then maybe I'm negotiating for a few other things. And are there any best practices around figuring out what to negotiate? Yeah, there definitely are. Uh, you know, if you want to be really structured and really um, scientific about it, uh, you know, starting with a deep understanding of your uh, the landlord that you're negotiating with is super helpful. Like, for example, if you're negotiating with a big corporate landlord, um, it might be hard for that person to move on price, the person you're dealing with, but it might be easy for them to throw in something else. And you'd be surprised at some of the things that have been thrown in. Uh, you know, I spoke to a renter the other day who, in addition to getting 40% off the rent, um, got a free parking spot for a year, <laughs> a trip to Napa, what? Um, a San Francisco renter. Yeah. And a free big screen TV. And like, okay, I did not like a trip to Napa. Are you kidding me? But they were so desperate to get this place rented that, uh, you know, that was what, um, that was where they ended up settling out and they just kept pushing and they, the, the, um, leasing agent just kept throwing more things in. 
Uh, now, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's going to continue to be the case in the long run. And I don't know that you can ask for a free trip to Napa if you're, you know, renting a, a one bedroom in Cleveland. But, uh, you know, think about your, uh, landlord and what they may or may not be able to offer. So, you know, back to the the large landlords are going to have a little more trouble moving on price. They might uh, be a little stickier there. Whereas the small landlord, that might be the easiest thing for them to move on because they don't have necessarily, you know, other things or um, that they can throw in. Um, but it, you know, they might be um, facing a month of vacancy. So the idea of offering you a hundred dollars off is a heck of a lot better than facing vacancy if you're the only person who's interested in that place. Um, so really starting with uh, an understanding of who you're dealing with and then, you know, thinking of um, what do they value? You know, for example, a landlord might really value a two-year lease. Um, so you might be able to say, what if I signed a two-year lease um, instead of a one-year lease? Because you know that this is going to be a great place for you for a longer period of time um, and you get a break on the rent in return for that. Um, or you could negotiate a different approach to security deposit um, so that you don't have to be um, out as much cash in the beginning, uh, for example. Um, or, you know, if you if you happen to be sitting on a bunch of cash, you know, maybe a little more security deposit would give the landlord a little more comfort mm. and you could get a break on the rent in return for that. So there's a lot of different moving parts. And I think thinking of all of those after you've understood who you're dealing with uh, is a great second step. That's such great advice. It really is. And I, I've i sort of nudged and poked a lot of my friends who are renting to negotiate and they always come back like, oh my God, it worked. I'm like, of course it did. And even if it's even if it's saving on the the deposit, if you saved a five hundred or a thousand bucks, I'm like, think of what you could do with that extra money. We could do yeah. lots of things yeah. with that, let alone just just save it. And then if you take money off the actual rent, I mean, that's a whole other ball game. So, and, and you're right, like give it a try. You just never know. I mean, the answer might yeah. be yes, and that would be an amazing yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's so funny. I uh, I grew up with a father who negotiated everything. I, I will never forget buying a pair of jeans and he was negotiating <laughs> the price of the jeans. And at the time I was mortified. Right. It was so embarrassing. <laughs> but now as an adult, uh, you know, can't hurt to ask. Right? <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, those, those, those lessons, I think that's a good money lesson to have. A, a lot of us have not so good money lessons, but that is definitely a good one to have. And yeah. I wanted to ask you something else because I, you know, one of the pros, I guess, if you will, about buying a house is it, it comes with an, ex, an inspe- inspection, if I can get the word out, mm-hmm. and, you know, where you're trying to figure out if, if the house is in good shape. Is there anything like that if you're, if you're renting, particularly like a, like a home or a smaller place? I mean, so many of us now have allergies or asthma, or maybe there's mold or other things that could really influence our health and how we live in an environment. Is is that at all a thing with renting? Wow. I have never gotten that question before. Such a good question. <laughs> uh, it, it, you know, what I would say is that um, some rentals move very quickly and uh, you know, you can kind of take the information that you get and, and that's it. Um, but a lot of rentals, most in fact, um, you do have a little bit of extra time. And if you have a particular uh, set of needs around um, the place and you can bring somebody with you who can evaluate that for you, um, you can absolutely go back and ask the landlord for a second tour or a third tour um, and bring somebody with you who can help you evaluate that. 
Um, you know, I know an inspection of a, of a home is, you know, a couple hundred dollars, usually $250, $700, somewhere in that range. Um, so you can always hire an inspector to come with you and inspect a place. Um, if, you know, as you suggest, you have a particular allergy to a type of mold or um, something else so that you don't get it yourself into a bad situation. Uh, and, you know, again, back to the, you don't get what you don't ask for. You can always ask the landlord for another visit uh, and, and, you know, bring somebody along with you uh, for that. Yeah, I think that's great. I, uh, the moral of the story is ask the question. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and you know, oftentimes, you know, the, the worst case scenario, keep in mind, you know, the landlord really wants somebody in the place who's going to have a great experience. And if you know out of the gate that you're going to have trouble if there's a certain set of circumstances in that place, you know, the landlord is going to be upfront about that because, you know, if you have a particular allergy that the um, apartment might trigger, um, landlord doesn't want you to be in a place that's that's bad for you because it's also going to be bad for him or her. Um, so they'll be pretty upfront with you uh, about those things in most cases. Um, but, you know, it never hurts to get a backup check if something's really critical to you. Um, but, you know, another thing I've mentioned that's just wonderful about renting is, um, you know, if something goes wrong with the place, it's somebody else's problem, not yours. Well, Jonas, I like to end every episode with an actionable money tip, idea, strategy, tool, anything that you think we need to know about. We've talked about so much on this conversation, but what's something you really want the Millennial Money listeners to walk away with? You know, I think if I could sum this up with one thing, it's uh, renting is a great option for most people at, at, at one or more points in their lives. And we should embrace that as a great choice and celebrate somebody's new home, whether it's rented or owned. I love it. Well, tell the listeners where they can go if they're interested in Dwellsy and want to find out more. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Dwellsy's at Dwellsy.com. Um, and you can reach out to me at Jonas at Dwellsy.com. I'm always available and happy to chat. Curious if this conversation changed anything for you. Did you think about renting maybe just a little bit differently? I know I sure did. I might have even given Jonas a new business idea, which like any good money person, I told him I'd only take 10%. Just kidding. <laughs> but I did give him a really good idea. So whether you agree or disagree about renting being a path to financial freedom, I hope that this episode inspired you to just think outside of the box and not be so defined by headlines. What's right for you and your money is a decision that you get to make. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, do me a favor, share it with friends, family members, anybody who you know might be interested in this idea of renting. As always, there are links in the show notes to our episode guest, as well as all of our episode sponsors. And don't forget to follow this episode and the podcast player you're listening to right now so you never miss an episode. I'll see you back here in a few days for a brand new one. Hey, you. Yes, you. Before you go, we want to say thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Money. For all the links, tags, and ads you've heard on today's episode, check out the show notes or go to mmoneypodcast.com where you'll find more episodes to share with your friends. While you're at it, leave us a review. And make sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss out on all the money tips and tricks that will take you from a millennial regular to a millennial money expert. See you back here in a few days with a fresh new episode.